Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How many shows do you reckon you've done this year? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. Over 50? Easy? <laughs> We've been on tour for the last four months. Well, I've been on tour for six weeks, and I'm starting to feel the burn. And it really makes you appreciate the extreme slog and hard work that touring is. I think a lot of people presume that, you know, it's all luxury and fun and games and when you're actually on the road and you're around it and you see it, especially bands like yourselves, you fucking, you know, you tour for months on end. Um, I mean, how do you mentally as well as physically get through it? Oh, that's, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think you do. I think, I think you, you just have to embrace the yeah. insanity of it all and just ride the wave. I think so. I think that's the, the only answer to give. I don't know. I mean, everyone's different. You know, people do different things. Um, I try to, weirdly enough, like I try to go for a walk every day. Like that kind of just to get some like headspace. The the normality or kind of the balancer, I think. You know, and you know that, that I don't know. For me, you know, other people watch movies or yeah, read books. I guess I don't know. I don't know what other people do. <laughs> <laughs> Drink. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that that goes on as well, and I think that that is the. Uh, that's the one that takes the real toll, isn't it? Is I feel like you wake up, say a bit tired or hungover, but then as soon as you play that show and the adrenaline hits, then you're like, "Fuck it, right now I want some beers." 
and then it's just repeat. There's a famous quote about musicians that say it's not the years, it's the miles. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel that that puts the miles on you. But you've taken some miles off by shaving the mustache, Joby, so I should just set the scene real quick as well. <laughs> We're on your tour bus. You're laid down on the floor. I've never done a podcast quite like this before. It's relaxing. Um, I actually broke my spine coming up on five years ago. It'll be five years on December oh, 15th. Um, so I can sympathize with the constant, like, nagging like it's not agony but it's just like a constant nagging pain i find yeah you know it, I, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day uh, that we think playing guitar is probably the worst ergonomical thing you can do for your body <laughs> <laughs> you know just running around with like 10 pounds on one side you know Oh, I, I don't know how Matt does what he does every night because he He's takes insane. a fucking beating in that pit every night. He's insane. I would, uh, yeah. I it's it's interesting to watch. I'll tell you that much. I'm not. I don't. I don't know how he does it. I would never do that. Did you see the guy the other night who had the mouth guard and goggles? That was the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. He had swimming goggles and a mouth guard he, in the pit. He was prepared. <laughs> he was prepared. Uh, how far does your friendship go back with Matt? Did you go to oh, school wow. together? No, we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew his older brother, Jeff, um, when I was, let's see, I was probably 19 when I met him, his brother, and, um, what's we, the age difference <clears throat> between you and Matt? Uh, five years. Five years, right, wow. And so we used to, uh, my roommate at the time was friends with Matt's older brother Jeff and they used to work at this karaoke bar in Huntington Beach called Mr. K's um, we would always go there because they didn't card anybody so you can you know in America you have to be 21 to drink alcohol and so we could bring in anybody we wanted you right know? right you know what I'm saying yeah I know what you're saying and uh, Mr. K because we knew him that it it it, was, it sounds so hilarious now but they would uh they had like private rooms you could rent and so you and your friends could go in there and sing the songs that you wanted to or whatever like proper japanese karaoke exactly, style. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. and so you know mr k every once in a while would throw us a bone and we get our own room and like i think they had like soju and i don't know you know stuff like that so um jeff was always trying to get me to go see his his brother's band which was called brotherhood of death <laughs> and I was in um I was in a band called Jack Ruby, uh who was, you know, the guy that shot the guy that shot uh, uh one of our presidents, I can't remember who it was. This was a long time ago. And he was like, Your band should play together and I was like, Yeah, whatever, man, we're awesome and, and I'll we'll see and so um Matt would come into Mr. K's every once in a while and uh i had heard that he was a singer in the band so jeff introduced me to him and he's like i was like hey man you want you want to sing a song and he was like yeah i was like let's sing hot for teacher by van halen <laughs> and um and we did and i was i was really impressed about how good of a singer he was and um i went and saw his band uh at a place that is in huntington beach called the liquid den um which still this day was some of the craziest shows I've ever been to were at that place. The security, we would literally beat people up and all the shows were just fights. It yeah, was, yeah, it yeah. was just 
That it, day's kind of gone, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's over. Well, it's definitely gone. Long gone. And uh, he... <clears throat> Let me see. We... I'm trying to I'm trying to get my timeline right here. I think taking you way back. Yeah, I think I went there with our original drummer Jorma and because we were looking for a singer, I think we had started writing some some wrong songs just me and him at that point. And um so we we would go watch all these bands that we heard had cool singers and um and I was like, hey, you know, uh, my friend Jeff, you know, I, I kind of know this guy. He's got this band. Let's go check him out. And so he, um, it was just the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, man, this guy is awesome. And I, I, I just really wanted to be in a band with him. Because of just the voice or was the whole, like, well, I package think, I think already it, in place? I think it was. The charisma and the. He, Jorma brought some some girls to the uh to the concert that that were really out of place and so matt jumped off the stage and into their table uh that was there was pictures of beer on it and so it smashed all the glass and the beer went all over the girls and it was just it was the coolest thing i've ever seen <laughs> he's <And>, hired <laughs> yeah and then uh, after he did that two of his friends took tables and just started smashing them and chairs and security guard came over and just started beating him up and it was just like pandemonium and so the crazy thing was is the rest of the guys in the band just laid down on stage and refused to play until security stopped beating people up yeah it's just just insanity you know and then you start writing straight away with matt or what happens then yeah I, i i i was like um he, yeah, yeah. We, I, we, a friend of ours had a studio that Jorma knew, and we went down and cut three songs um, that we still play to this day. Um, Heart Attack American, White Tar, and Strobe Life over our first record. And that's when we kind of first heard Matt sing. And, and um, Strobe Life's about his kind of crazy speed whirlwind, right, at that time? Yeah, you know, drugs were prevalent. You know, as in most youngsters' lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's... You coming up? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, you do stuff as kids that, you know, seems seems intelligent at the time. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, you're obviously a dad now yourself. I mean, just to jump around real quickly, does that change your outlook on life? Do you become, all of a sudden, a little bit more responsible and... <laughs> aware of oh yeah yeah you know i mean your own mortality and your responsibility as a parent all the all the crap that you hear about being a parent is true you know all the stuff and then all this this crap that your parents told you you know one day when you're older you know all that stuff's true yeah and you're like shut <laughs> up mom and dad yeah that'll never happen you don't know what you're talking about i know everything yeah you've my, got two kids right yeah my yeah. daughter is uh 11 and my son is seven wow yeah it's uh so they're, they're, she's about pe- to hit teens. Yeah, they're people, you know. <laughs> and uh, along with that, you know, you know, it's the it's the cycle, you know. I mean, they're both wonderful children, and you know, it's like we have a great relationship. And you know, it's it's tough to to you know be out here and be away from them. But thank God we have these phones. You know what I mean? I was like, saying that the other day. I think the one there's a lot of negatives. I think that have come with social media and smartphones yeah. and all of that. But the definite obvious, you know 
pro is that guys like yourself yeah, yeah. on the road for days weeks sometimes months on end you get to see their face totally and actually like communicate and connect whenever you want absolutely and i imagine back in the day it'd be the case that you'd have to have like a stack of coins and you just go to oh, like a phone box yeah. or you just nick the promoter's phone and hope you can get some free time yeah. on that i mean i remember i think our first you know world tour was three and a half months in like 16 countries or something like that and um i would literally sneak sneak into the club's office and try and call home or we would find internet cafes and you you know you got a free like hotmail email address or something yeah yeah try to check in every once in a while and i could never get the calling cards to work some bands were like oh yeah (coughs) find a pay phone someplace and and um it was funny because when we were doing our first record we did it with uh gilby clark from guns and roses how was that it was killer was he fucking cool was he yeah good energy to be around absolutely he's a wonderful person great stories uh, as well Oh, all all the stories. Yeah, all the stories. That was probably the best part of me. <laughs> yeah, the record. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell was, us another one, Gilby. Yeah, but he um, he would always he always give a shit. He would be like, "Man, you guys have cell phones now," and I was like, "So?" And he's like, "Yeah, you pull up to gigs and they would be canceled, and it, you know, you have no just, way of finding yeah, out. Yeah, there's no way. And you know, you had to learn how to read a map. You know, <laughs> yeah, just all the, <clears throat> you know." It, it, you know it's different and i'm sure that you know bands in the future you know i'm sure they won't even have to leave their living room to play shows you know like virtual reality will put them in clubs or something and and we'll we'll moan about how we used to have to tour around and actually play yeah 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 <laughs> back in the good old days man yeah. um it happened pretty quick for you guys out of the gate right there's a lot of like interest straight away and yeah i mean that was that was the early days of the internet you know and we would put songs online and at that time that was like a really you know it was like a new technology you know yep. having downloadable mp3s on a website i guess digital fans as well that was a new concept and a way to reach record labels and you know before you know instead of having to send a demo cassette blindly into you know which i did in like every band i was in we would get the addresses off of you know records that we liked and yeah yeah we would send our demo in and you know, of course never heard anything but um and so that way we were able to reach a lot of different people you know through that medium which is now fun the gone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been replaced so i don't know if that if that uh age, you know ages me or, or not you know right it, it, uh, we were talking about this the other day it's like all the different music mediums that we have gone through uh in my lifetime started with cassettes and i used and that's how i got into music was um you know you had the cassette duplicating tape deck you yep. know and i would borrow you know an eighth generation copy of you know suicidal tendencies lights camera revolution you know and that's just it's just and then from there you know, CDs completely replaced that, MP, you know, so on and so it's forth. It's funny because vid- um, music piracy in one form or another was probably always there. Always right? there. It was just on a lot smaller scale before the internet. Dude, you know what was crazy? One of the craziest pirating things I ever heard of is, is um, or have ever experienced, and some of the best records I own is um, from my, my, our, my wife and I's honeymoon. We went down to Jamaica, to Ocho Rios, and if... I'm trying to paint the picture there. If, if you've never been down there, it's bars and clubs are literally sheet metal roofs 
and like a cooler full of red stripe yeah. and the biggest PA you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And what the <clears throat> the the music that they do down there it was really interesting it's it's basically it, it's they call it toasting it's, it's basically freestyling over all the old studio one uh records and these music piracy down there is these guys would come in plug into the desk and burn cds live while the show happened and they sell it on the corner the next day and so we would buy some of these burn cds and i don't know you know there's no track list there's yeah, nothing yeah, 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 yeah. and it was like still to this day some of the best music I've ever heard and I have no idea who who's ever done it you know so you're right on the music piracy thing and it's ever since there has been music it's been pirated in a one way shape or form do you other. feel like for me when I was a kid pre-internet the element of discovery was half the excitement and enjoyment of of music and I feel like now you can obviously access any song by anyone ever pretty mm -hmm. much at the touch of a button but i feel like because it's all there a lot of that exploration element is gone and therefore some of the joy of it is gone is that idea of like you know as you say you get that one album off a friend yeah and you burn that and yeah. you just burn that out and listen to that all day all day all day uh well i think i think what it's done is it's kind of killed the album you know yeah <clears throat> that you, you just said it every song at the touch of a button and like and my, obviously it's the skip generation now exactly skip track shuffle yep. and just people just don't listen to records anymore you know and and but yes <coughs> like that's an experience that i'm happy to have had and as well as i'm sure you are too is just digging through bins and you know discovering labels and you're like oh i like what this label puts out yeah i like this kind of music or these bands or the, from you know this era or just you know the it, it, it's something that I hope comes back because it's I would listen for hours to all of this music that I would never heard before from these genres and generations that I would get turned on to by you know Joe Blow at the record store it's like oh if you you know I'd buy a record and he'd be like oh you like this go check that out yeah so, okay and so what were the bands for you on. then that switched you on that made you want to be a musician and play rock and roll was it always rock and roll in one form? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I grew up, my parents um, had a rule that all of us kids had to learn two instruments. And so... I support that. Yeah. I, 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 I wish mean, I'd been put <clears throat> to play an instrument from a young age. Oh, well, the two instruments that I studied were piano and cello, which right. neither of which I played. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the music that filled, you know me as a child was classical music you know the, the big ones Beethoven Bach Rachmaninoff Mozart and <clears throat> and once I discovered loud aggressive music that was it like I was like it was kind of me rebelling against what I was brought up on you know and my parents would listen to classical music in the house too because and my grandparents would listen to classical music as well and so it was this whole new world. And that's right when tape trading kind of happened. Um, and you could go buy blank tapes for nothing. Yeah. And my parents used to get them for me. And then you would, you would borrow these comps and that and all of this stuff. And I got really into skateboarding around that time too. And uh, Thrasher Magazine used to put out these compilations called Skate Rock. And there was... I, I don't know if this is correct, but I think there was eight volumes of them. <clears throat> they would put out one a year, and a lot of it featured 
bands that were, you know, skaters like Steve Caballero's band, The Faction. Like I got turned on to that band by the skate rock comps and, you know, DI, DRI, JFA, you know, um, all of this stuff. And that there was something about skateboarding that I identified with faster music. I don't know what it is, but it just makes sense. And I think that all the videos that we would watch you know as kids all the bone brigade stuff featured music from these punk bands yeah and and, and that was when skateboarding and punk rock were both very much outsider subcultures weren't they 100 percent. and they weren't popular they weren't mainstream and the likelihood was if you were rolling around the street on the skateboard or with a mohawk you were probably gonna get you know yeah arrested 100%. or beaten up or it, it, it wasn't cool yeah. at all and it was but it captured the youth of america you know like a certain type of kid you know yeah, that yeah, didn't yeah. want to play football didn't want to you know be a jock or whatever <clears throat> and still to this day you know i know we talked about phones earlier but like i can watch all my favorite skaters <laughs> from when i was a kid yeah like i follow their lives now you know which is hilarious um but it, it was it, they went hand in hand and there was a lot of bands that would play at skate demos or bands that would play on ramps or there would be like punk in the early days was a joke you know like the, you we, go all of us skaters we would go to all these shows and it was like donation you would donate cans of food you know and they would give them to the homeless you know or nothing was ever no one ever made money <clears throat> well the know? idea i think before nirvana the idea of making a career out of punk rock was inconceivable wasn't it and then I 100%. guess Nirvana changed the whole game. Then of course after that, Green Day, and yeah, I then mean, all it, of a it, sudden it's like, well, you can actually make tons of fucking money from punk rock. Yeah, there's bands that can do it, you know. And it's it's but still X and Fear and the Germs and all those no, bands. Nothing. They were never no, and it was it and it wasn't like a career was inconceivable. Like, yeah, like we played music, just you know, we had no aspirations of ever like making a record. You know, <laughs> we would just get together and. You know, like my friend's dad had two acoustic guitars and we kind of figured it out. I mean, this was before the internet, you know, and so, you know, he would show us some chords, you know, and we'd play them till our fingers hurt, you know, and the next day we'd do the same thing and we'd skate, you know, and it was just, I don't know, just what you did, you know. A golden time to be young, right? Without sounding like the two I old think geezers. so. I think so. I look back on those times and, and it was you know like you said it was a lot of discovery you yeah. know like you would you know because it, it, it was tough it was tough to find those records you know like most record stores didn't carry punk you know you had to order it from out of magazines you know or from the labels themselves and like mail order was a big way to get and and i remember every record i bought came with a catalog of all the rest of the records that that label would put out and so you know you'd read about the bands and all right i'd send you know my mom would write a check i'd save up my money and she'd send a check in to sst and i'd get the new minutemen record you know yeah yeah <laughs> i spoke like... to casey chaos a lot about that and he <clears> said he was literally he was a pen pal with Denz, uh, danzig sorry with ian mckay with henry rollins with all these guys that was like, a big part of the right to them and they no, ride back and... exactly that was a big part of the punk scene and i remember when i first started playing like we would go up to san francisco we'd play like a matinee with all these different bands and we'd exchange each other's addresses and we'd write letters to them and that's the way that the punk community worked back then you know and it was like no one else wrote letters but we did because it's cheap it's easy and that's how that's how you knew what was going on and that's how you you would kind of you know mailing lists like like I know it's like people collect email addresses now I guess but 
back then, you know, you would play and, and people would sign up and they would leave their address and you would send them out flyers or whatever you're doing for that month, the shows, yeah. and you'd get it in the mail. You know, I had this, there was this one band called EOS, which stood for End of Story. I signed up on their mailing list and every month I would get a list of all the shows and where they were. There was little maps drawn like at this address or at this house and three bucks or donation only, you know, and all yeah, of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that's was how people did it. <laughs> were there any local bands to your area that were inspiring to you that made you go, well, if they can do it, we can do it? Yeah. I mean, it, they were just, but I mean, no one made it, you know, it was just like the fact that four people could do something together <laughs> was inspiring i mean there was bands eos like i mentioned before there's a band called the lonely now those were kind of the two big bands that i remember as a you know like we're talking 11 12 you know that i remember <clears throat> and going and seeing and they were and like all these bands would the only place that they would it was either vfw halls houses or churches for some reason like basements of churches would always allow all ages shows and kids to play it was it was really bizarre yeah little do they know what's going on <laughs> i think churches will do anything to get people to come in and get the youth <laughs> get them in getting through the door so um you put out your first album on your own label is yes. that right and was that a conscious choice because you had the offer on the table right from a from we, a major or yes we had we had i mean you you got to realize we had played maybe 10 shows and we had like don't even remember like 12 labels that wanted to it was a joke i mean because we used the internet to our advantage and we would send like people would contact us like hey uh, you know and I, we would write back in morse code or something because i found some website that would change whatever you said into morse code and we would just <clears throat> we developed this sort of moniker of this person called the governor that would just write these cryptic messages and we and um uh, a friend of ours worked, uh, for, I think, for Jive Records, and he was like, hey, you know, you guys can, like, I can spin this for you to the whole industry and just, it, it'd be hilarious. Let's see what happens. And we're like, dude, okay, cool. So then we're like, all right, well, you know, if you want to meet with us, you got to send us, like, all of these albums. And, and we would just get fucking <laughs> records up the ass from these labels because they didn't care, you know? And um, <laughs> this one, I remember this one time, this guy, this steroid out a and our guy was like send send me the rock i'm like all right give me your fedex number send and we me filled the rock we filled a, a fedex box full of rocks it was like 150 dollars <laughs> but um <clears throat> yeah and it was like at that time i you know i used to work for a record label so i, I kind of understood the pecking order or the the ladder to to climb and and it was we had two choices you know we could sit there and take a ton of money and our careers would have ended just as fast as it had started i guess that's the thing that most bands as soon as that carrot is dangled in front of them nine out of every ten bands just grab it don't they? yeah without absolutely. the long-term game in mind well then that's the thing it's like i wanted to play music like that's why i took a job at a record label because i could be closer to bands maybe i could meet somebody and get in a band or something you know and 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 so our manager at the time was like baffled that you know and i was like hey this is but this is what i want to do and so because we had recorded our record we owned it and so that put all the you know cards in our favor and so we we licensed it to a smaller label and um as soon as we did that then we signed for another record with island def jam 
And so we were able to retain the rights of that and we licensed it all over the world. Um, and we were able to tour on that for about two and a half years, I think, before we <clears throat> made a, you know, our... Went over to the dark side. Yeah, the Money Pit record. What was that experience like then? Was it a total leap and a total change yeah. and a total shock? Yeah. I had never... I mean, it was just... Who produced I, that second one? Um, a guy named Michael Beinhorn, who right. did, um, like, Soundgarden, Super Unknown, like wow. Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals, Corns, you know, Untouchables. Like, he, he actually... You know what the really cool thing about Michael Beinhorn is? Is that he wrote Rocket, the Herbie Hancock song. And I was like, man, that... That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. That sealed the deal for yeah, me when yeah. we were meeting with all, you know, these big money producers or whatever. And so it was great, man. It was it was an exercise in extravagance, you know. It was we made a a record, I think like six months in the studio, <clears throat> like on the beach in Venice, you know. And we lived down there. We would stay and, you know, surf in the mornings and some days we didn't feel like working, you know, and I'm just just wasting money you know yeah 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 and uh you know because it's right at the tail end of when there was money to waste right i think that was the end of it yeah yeah or the last i remember of it and um you know it was you know it was just insane you know the (laughs) i had never seen anything like that you know and we we would rent this all these amps and these drums and these microphones and compressors and you know you know had these guys there was guys coming in and out of the studio to like work on our guitars and you know tech the drums and all of these things you know that we've just everybody was happy to get paid for it and we didn't know what was going on we're like oh i don't know this is what the producer says to do i guess you know and um a ken and brad in the band at this point no yeah no no. no. it was just uh it was matt myself uh our original bass player james and our original drummer jorma and it was it was it was one of the best times of my life, you know, because I I'm glad I got to experience that ridiculous lifestyle, yeah. you know. And what were the main lessons you took from it? Well, I'd never do that again. <laughs> well, I just I you know you learn to become frugal, I think, you know, and since you know, I mean, since no one buys records anymore, like that's just gone. And I'm glad I got to experience, you know, what it was like you know or what i thought you know i was like oh i hear all these stories about you know def leppard working on their record for like a year and i was like hey that just sounds cool to be in the studio and and it's like we got a lot of we got a lot of work done you know and it was you know making a record with michael beinhorn is you're gonna make the record he wants to make and you know i think it was i think it was difficult on matt because he tracked his vocals for months, you know, and it was, you know, I think, I think it was, it, you know, we just didn't have that experience really. And it was just like, well, I sang it, why do I have to sing it again and again and again, you know, and trying to get that magical take and things. And, you know, that's what Michael's really good at, you know, and I, I, <clears throat> I you know, Matt still to this day says that's like his favorite record he's ever sang on. It's like the best performances he's ever given. So because he was getting pushed. Yes, exactly. And, that, you know, that's what Michael does. And, you know, and then it was like, you know, we went to some big pro mixer guy named Mike Shipley who mixes all Mutt Lang stuff. He did all the ACDC records and all the Def Leppard records. And, you know, I'm just, you know, a wide-eyed kid. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the records <laughs> on the walls like, fuck, yeah. yeah, we're in good company here. And, yeah, and right when our record came out, um, right before our record came out, 
the, the president. I mean, it basically got shelved. Um, the island Def Jam switched uh, presidents, and they turned into a pop label, and so right. all the rock acts went away. That's such a common story, isn't it? There's so many bands. It's the one guy that's maybe fighting that corner. If he's gone, yeah, then that whole is gone. It was just over, you know. And it's, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't even know if they're around anymore. I'm yeah. sure they are, but you know, it's it's it. The business has changed, and um, you know, we've figured out what works for us through you know things like that, experiences like that, and you know, um, <laughs> for our second record. Uh, after they shelved that one, and it just, I don't know, I don't, I mean, I haven't looked at our record sales. I don't think it sold very much. Um, or it, or according to the amount of money that was put into it. Yeah, yeah. Relatively uh, speaking. Yeah. Uh, the label had, a, they fired our A&R guy, and then we had two A&R guys. And so I called him up and I was like, listen, our last record, you guys spent, I think we spent $275,000 on it. And I was like, for half of that, I can buy a studio and make records forever. And this is this is what you guys need to do for bands. Uh, I mean, it, and yourselves, you know, invest in, you know. And so they did. And, and so we bought a recording studio and gear and all this stuff. And then, uh, then we got dropped. <laughs> and did you get to keep it? Yeah. You did? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking wicked. And so, we, so you still use that? Is that the one that you made um, with the record with Carl? Yeah, yeah. yeah? So yeah. it's still getting good use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still clicking along. We well, we sold it. and We moved it to a different place because none of us live around where it is anymore. So all the gear got moved to a new studio space. So, but that was the initial investment that you've kind of been <laughs> living off ever since. <laughs> yeah. That's great, man. And that's punk rock, isn't it? If you're doing it yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, it, you know, I the goal. I've, you know, I've, I I was always really interested in recording, so it's like, and and to be able to, you know, get all that stuff, and you know, I mean, God, we were we were there every day, you know, ten o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night, just recording and writing and recording bands, and you know, there was an apartment above, you know, so bands would come in and they would live up above the studio, and then we'd come down, and I mean, it was just a really fun time, you know, in our lives. And um, a lot of music came out of there. We recorded our Bronx 3 album there um, and our Bronx 4 record there. Um, a bunch of the mariachi stuff was done there. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really great time, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I love the Mariachi Project so much. And oh, right on. I love watching you go back and do Bronx after having seen the Mariachi show so many times because they're such polar opposite ends of the spectrum on one hand, but then the... The spirit and the soul, I think, is the same. I, th- you're, I think so. You know, it, it, to me, some someone asked me, they're like, how the fuck do you guys <laughs> do that yeah. and this? I mean, and what was the initial idea? That well, Where did it come from? I think, you know, I think looking back on it, because that was around 2005, <coughs> 2006, I think, when we were started, started to do it, even though it didn't come out till later. Um, it's like every, I think there was a real gentrification happening in LA. Like there was a lot of, you know, white people moving over to East LA, which is a predominantly Hispanic neighborhoods. Um, and it was, we were just immersed kind of in it, you know what I mean? It's like, I heard just as much of that coming out of people's cars and houses as I did, you know, K-Rock or whatever radio station people listen to. Um, and so, like, to me, it coexisted in the world that we lived in. So I, I probably to people that don't... Do you think yeah. a lot of people thought it was a novelty initially? Yeah, I, and it is, I, you know, and just because most people's, you know, exposure, most white people's exposure to that is, like, The Three Amigos, the movie, where it was yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of a joke yeah. in mariachi suits. And, like, it, it wasn't to me, but I think people view that as a novelty in general. Um but you know it; those two worlds coexisted, you know, and it 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 just it just to me it sounds like California. Yeah, you know that's yeah yeah that melting know, pot. It is, you know, and like there there was like the punk scene, and then there's that scene, and like everybody was kind of in both. You know, there wasn't really a separation. You know, yeah, it was fun, fun times. And did you ever foresee it becoming the full-time thing that it is? Because obviously now it's pretty much the case that you will say do a Bronx record and tour that, and then you'll go do a mariachi record and tour that. Did you ever think when you started out writing that kind of music that it would be all these years later? No, I mean, and it's like, uh, you know, just like an all-encompassing answer to that would be like, I'm still surprised that we're playing music. (laughs) Like none of this was ever... You, you know, even from when I was a kid, it was, it, you know, you just do things because you want to. And it's like, man, I really want to play this music. Like, let's learn these instruments. And, oh, man, this guy plays trumpet. Cool. You know, and, you know, this guy can play that. All right, let's do that. Together. You know, it's the same sort of kind of, you know, and that, again, in itself was kind of the same discovering like a new style of music, you know. Yeah, and yeah. You just listen to these records and play all this stuff and just go down these wormholes of you know latin music and it was it was really really cool you know it was like discovering punk all over again you know is it a very different vibe when you are writing or is it kind of the same you know it's kind of the same i think that's why it doesn't really i mean there's more instruments obviously in that band than there is in the bronx but um it's still kind of the same thing it starts with a simple chord progression and idea and 
well, let's, you know, if the lyrics kind of work, then let's add this in and then put that on and then mix this or change that. You know, it's like, that's just, every band writes things in a completely different way. And that's kind of the way we've found that works for us, you know. Some, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I'm, that's, I think, the, one of the most fascinating things about bands is watching, like, like their creative process, you yeah, know, because yeah, absolutely. the way we do it is completely opposite to, you know, bands that I've worked with in the past and, and it's always it's so interesting to me like like why in the fuck would you ever do it that way but the, you know they say the same thing about me you know like why would you ever do that that way <laughs> you know? what I really like about watching both projects live is you can see that Matt is really in awe of all of you guys as players and that's a really just like a sincere quite joyful experience as a, a viewer to kind of experience that through him his respect and admiration of his well bandmates y y that goes both ways because i mean how many singers do you know that can croon and scream <laughs> yeah you know like he's pretty impressive yeah you know i could never do that did that band take you into a whole different world as well like in terms of the oh, same yeah. tv shows that it would get you on or? oh yeah 100 percent. i mean that was you know that I mean, we grew up watching like Jay Leno and David Letterman, mm -hmm. you know, and it was like the fact that we got to play those late night circuit or whatever you call it was and meet them. It was just like, just hilarious. <laughs> it was like, Bronx aren't ever going on those shows, are they? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, but it was really, it's like, you know, it, one of the coolest things is, is we, you know, when we played uh, David Letterman, you know, all of our families flew out to New York City to watch it. You know, my dad told me, he was like, never in a million years would I think my son would be, play the same theater on the same TV show as I saw the Beatles. Because that David Letterman took over the, and you know, there's pictures of, it's really cool, like in the... Well, the Ed Sullivan Theater, yeah, was it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's pictures, like, in the dressing room of the Beatles, you know, like, on the wall, and, like, we're in the same dressing room, and I was like, wow, this is just surreal. And, you know, touring-wise, like, that's that's when we, you know, we were on big arena tours, like, with the Foo Fighters, with the Killers, you know, Dave Matthews Band, like, all of these ridiculous rock bands, you know, we, we got to play with and meet with, and, you know, we became, you know, I still have good, you know, relationships with a lot of those people, and... And it was, but to to see how like big big arena rock works was pretty eye opening, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's a it's it, another peek into a different world, isn't it? Hundred percent, you know. But it was like, I don't know, yeah, it was crazy, you know. It was every anything you wanted at the drop of a hat, you know. You yeah, got, yeah, yeah. And it was like, I, you know, that's probably how like rock stars really live or something. <laughs> that's it. You get to see how the other half live, don't you? Like, oh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I could get used to this. Yeah, and I mean. But it's it was also really stressful. Like I also like the amount of stress put on those artists to entertain thousands. It's not an easy job, you know. And whether you like those bands or not, that's an admirable skill to have to entertain the masses. It like there's only a few can do it, you know. And you know it's just it, it's crazy to watch. You know it's it's special. You know. You watch a performer like Dave Grohl, and he makes it look so fucking easy. Like, he makes it look, and that's the skill, right? Is Obviously, it's not. He doesn't just walk on stage without any thought as to what's going to happen. Or maybe he does, I don't know. But he makes it look like a walk in the park. And he makes you feel like you're right there next to him, even if you're a mile away. Yeah, you do. You know, and I think that, it, that's, that you know, I think Dave Grohl's pretty cool. 
you know, and, and I think that extends, I think, you know, into his like interpersonal relationships as well. A, a really funny Dave Grohl story is this. Brad, um, who plays trumpet in the mariachi band and bass in the Bronx, is uh, him and Dave Grohl text each other pictures of barbecuing and smoking and like different meats and cuts and like different woods and all this stuff. <laughs> I'm just like, it's hilarious. And I, and I keep telling him, I was like, man, no one's ever going to believe you, Brad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you guys still in touch with Jorma? And what happened yeah, there, if you don't yeah. mind me asking? Um, he just, you know, he, it, it just, he he needed to do something else, you know, and he, he joined Eagles of Death Metal, and, you know, he's an incredible drummer, you know, and it's like, I, you know, think he has made that band, you know, amazing, you know, he's a really, really good player, and... You know, it was Dave who um, who plays drums on our fifth record studio album. Uh, we had a band together back in the day with Matt uh, called The Drips. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, so it was. We had known him for so long, so it was it was an easy. You know, he was had been around our camp forever, so you know he he played that. It's a weird kind of world to go into, I think, with everything that happened in fucking Paris and all the backlash to all of that. It must have been quite a, well, I and mean, probably still is at times, quite a stressful and fucking oh, I can't, I can't difficult situation for him to be in. It's, I, I don't know, I don't know what it, you know, it, it, it's hard to put yourself in a situation or, or understand, like, witnessing, like, a mass ex- execution, like, and, and that's what it was. There's no two ways around yeah, it. it. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, I I don't care who you are. That's going to change you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and probably not for the better, you know. Um, and that's, you know, something that we all hope, you know. I mean, and it's so crazy. Like, every concert now is just, like, in America, it's like they go through our gear when we load in. You know, there's metal detectors for for the bands that are playing. Like, it, it's crazy the amount of security that happens at concerts, you know. And, you know, it's where we came from versus where it is now is, like... Unrecognizable in many ways, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's, like, the spirit of it has just been sucked out, you know. And it's, like, I still love playing concerts and going to them and enjoying music, but the the unpredictability the rawness is completely gone you know there's no danger not that that's a good thing you know but this well yeah you want a bit obviously you don't want anything like what happened out there in france but you do want that element of excitement and Mm -hmm. visceral yeah yeah rock and roll was exciting you know and it was dangerous you know and it's just not really anymore (laughs) and i mean not that that's a bad thing you know it's like i don't want to get fucking shot you know and the fact that that's entered into music which is the most harmless thing in the world you know was a real real shock to everyone you know that plays music and you know listens to it or likes to go to concerts it's like you know what's crazy is um my wife's cousin's wife is that right um was gonna go to that 91 um festival in vegas where the shooting happened and she got sick so they didn't go she also works there was just another mass shooting at a bar um in the valley um i can't remember the name of it but she was like she worked there and she got sick that night and didn't go to work and like just you know i think 13 people got shot and i was just i was i was like 
we live in a fucking world where like she avoided two mass shootings in one year like think about that <laughs> that just like blows my mind you know and it's just like God, what a horrible world you know how do you feel at the moment as an american traveling do you feel like there's kind of negative press and attention on your country with the man with the the orange face not to go too political with you because you know, I, 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 when the Brexit news went through, and I was like, oh my God, we voted that through. And I found a slight, subtle change in people's behavior and attitude towards oh, me really? in certain places around Europe when I went. And I can understand it because they're like, well, you don't want to be a part of this. So yeah. you're obviously going to then well, you know, I, I feel think, like an outsider, aren't you? I think, <laughs> I think there's people that, you know, you, you know, and the, you know what's crazy is the gnarliest. I was ever treated was during the Bush administration. Right. And, you know, I would get into physical, like, arguments with people. I'm like, you know, just because, you know, he's the president doesn't mean I voted for him, you know? And, and, and so it's, it's kind of, if you think about the type of person who's going to give you shit about, you know, someone that's in charge, they don't under really understand the, the, you know, political system in America, you know, that you yeah. vote people in and, yeah. and that just you know not everyone's the same and you know i the thing the thing that i've noticed and the, the what i've gotten out of um all of this is that the, the media is just insane and it takes things and spins them for an angle on both sides the right and the left yeah and it's like that's the thing that I think is really frustrating about it all is because you're never going to get a straight answer from people that are their job is to give you a straight answer you know I took a journalism course once and the first rule of journalism is to provide an unbiased you know story of a situation yeah. and that's the last thing you're ever going to find and yeah. so you know I think the the whole thing it's is, just fear as well isn't it it's fear and distraction and well, trying to divide yeah. and it is you know and it's and, and and all it's really done is just turn people off yeah and, and so many americans just don't even bother with politics anymore like it's just it's not worth their time you know and there's crusaders for this and crusaders for that but it's it's it feels like it's really died down because so many people are just deleting their facebook's and the news sources they're just not even watching it anymore and whether that's good or bad, I don't really know, but it's just kind of like the way things are. People are just tired of it, you know, yeah. being berated with stuff. And, you know, there's two types of people, you know, there's there's crusaders and there's people that respect each other's opinions, you know. And, you know, I don't, I haven't really run into any anybody even really asking me about it over here, you know, or, or having a really an opinion, you know. Yeah. I think people are getting worn out. <laughs> I think as well at the moment, you're almost not allowed. Well, it's not that you're not allowed, but if you express your opinion, especially on the internet, like it's different if you're having a conversation like this because people have taken the time to get 45 minutes into this chat and they've got the context. They're not just seeing a headline. But I do feel like if you express your opinion on anything online and somebody doesn't agree with it, they'll shout in your face and tell you why you're not allowed that opinion yeah. because it's just different to theirs. And you're like, well, when did we get to this? Like, that's fascism to me. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. You know, and just, you know, throttle jockeys, you know, and people that, you know, the, the, I, I, heard, I heard a quote one time, and, and, and I think it's, it, it so pertains to um, 
to what you just said is like and, and to the internet or the media you know it's like the internet's greatest strength by connecting all of these people and ideas is also its greatest weakness yeah you know yeah yeah and so um what do you do with your kids do you allow them sort of free reign limited access what's your approach to parenting when it comes to social media and smartphones and all of that because i guess nowadays kids at such a young age have them and it's the norm that yeah. i imagine they're probably made to feel left out if they don't and like unpopular 100 percent. um you know i think that in parenting the the best thing you can do is lead by example you know and that's how kids learn my daughter has and i hope she doesn't listen to this uh, <laughs> you know kids communicate through instagram yeah it's just how they do it and i have her instagram account on my phone and i go through it you know just half of it or the most part is to protect her from things that might possibly enter her life through yeah, yeah. something like that um but, you know, it's the world we live in, you know, it's like it was probably, you know, like television for me, you know, when I was a kid, you know, it's like corrupting the youth. It is, yeah. you know, and, and it did, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, there's certain things that are just the way they are in the world. And this is one of them, you yeah. know, and, you know. I try to teach my kids to use the Internet in a positive way, like as a tool, you know, it's like anything that you want to know how to do you can look it up on youtube and there'll be an instructional video on you know how to mow your lawn you yeah. know and you know i sound like a curmudgeon when i'm just like if i wanted to learn somehow to go to the library and check out a book <laughs> you know <laughs> dinosaur yeah, yeah yeah and um so, so you feel like it can be a positive influence if dealt with well, if they use it as a tool, yeah. you know, f to further their education, absolutely, you know, but it, does that happen? Well, you know, they like to watch YouTube videos of people playing video games or something, you yeah. know, and I'm like... Isn't it wild that kids don't really, I mean, I don't really have interaction with, with kids because I don't have any, but I'm aware of the fact that they don't really text anymore. Even texting is like an outdated Yeah, thing. it is. Yeah. I That's mean, crazy. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It blows my mind and I don't really... And like the idea of a phone call is probably just you know they don't do it do they kids don't phone each other up anymore yeah. what i loved about being young and i guess i didn't love it at the time other. but you are yeah i like the idea of when you had to call a girl that you likes home phone before mm. mobiles yeah. knowing their parent was probably going to answer oh, and you had to man up yeah and be like yeah it's matt from school there's so and so there <laughs> that that's character building that kind of stuff isn't it it, it was terrifying <laughs> yes and then you know now contacting people is is pretty easy you know and yeah it is it, yeah i mean we i could sit here and reminisce about all the you know <laughs> but it, it's funny because you know I, I come from a family you know it's like yeah my dad used to have to walk uphill both ways in the snow to school you know like that kind of thing and, yeah, and yeah, i'm yeah. the same way you know i'm just like oh man i did look up you know a book or do this and that. <laughs> shut up <laughs> uh, i imagine you have to sound check pretty soon before you go um can we talk about the most recent record and sure. just how fucking rock and roll it is the rock and roll's always been there with the bronx yes um but it's very much come to the forefront with this one i love it for that reason what was the i guess inspiration going in with this album what did you want to we lay um, down we wanted to make a guitar record and um so we did it with uh, uh this guy um who i've known for years his name is rob schnaff and he's he produced um everything just i mean if you google him but he has like the collection of guitars and amps 
And so um, every track on that record, we used a different, you know, amp and guitar or, or pedals and different chains. I think Ken wrote it down. And it was like, like I don't know, four pages of handwritten notes on this track, just what we used, you know. And, right. um, you know, it's it's hard and I'm trying not to sound like a hippie but you just go with what feels right you know and and it's like I know that that's a pretty loose sort of thing but it's you know when we all get together exactly yeah when we all get together and we're putting songs together you know it's like you know you follow your nose you know and then that's that's where it wanted to go you know and and in art whether it's music painting cooking whatever if you fight what's coming out it's it's crap you know and it's like once art kind of dictates where you need to go like that to me is 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 where i always try to be and and it sometimes that comes out in a mariachi record yeah (laughs) yeah sometimes that comes out in a surf record you know or you know and it's just it kind of you know it, it I, I think we had an idea where we wanted to go, but we also it also kind of turned into its own, own thing once we kind of started making it. So, and the response to the new songs live is phenomenal. Like they seem to go over as well as like you know songs you've been playing for Thanks. ten years. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's whenever you're playing quite a few new ones, aren't you? you doing three, four? Uh, depends on the night. I think four or new ones. Um, it's um, it's always whenever we put out a record it, it it it's always you know new songs go over like new songs <laughs> you know? but, and it's and it's it's always encouraging when when you see people singing along early on into the record's career you know yeah 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 and um because you know it doesn't always do that well i spoke to jake a while back and we were talking about which our favorite bronx record was and we were both saying at the time this is before five had come out but we were both saying four. Oh wow and a lot of our friends are like you're mad what it can't be four i was like well why not Want to, want to wrestle <laughs> uh, what's next is it going to be back on the mariachi flip um next year you know or are you just uh, getting this tour down and looking forward to some time off <laughs> well um yeah right uh we're making a new bronx record right on and um you know january and february we're gonna kind of start digging in and getting songs together and then yeah i'm I, like I know there's all these rules about announcing tours or something like you're not supposed to say, and I don't even know, but we have, you know, a year's pretty full. Right on. Watch this space. Exactly. Um, and Pounded by Surf. Yes. Any more plans to do anything more with that? I love that stuff. Yeah. Because it's just, for me, that kind of, I mean, Tarantino nailed it with the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Yeah. And he made surf music fresh again to a whole new generation of people that would have probably never heard Link Ray, Dick Dale, any of that stuff. You know, that again was following your nose and it was kind of something that we um, wanted to do. And like, I, we got really into surf music and like within that genre, you know, which is an incredibly small genre, there is, um, you know, like a, if you were looking at a pie chart, like a small sliver of, of kind of this like Western inspired, yep. you know, reverbed out stuff. And we got really into that. And, um, you know, so we, you know, like... The, the whole thing with that was and that, that I really got, you know... That's it, you, Brad, and Dave, right? Is it you, Brad, and Dave? Uh, Dave 
play drums on the recording, but Vince, who plays guitaron in the mariachi band, plays drums. Right. Who's Dave's and brother. brothers? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's and it's, their dad's in what legendary band is here? Uh, Los Lobos. Yes. Yes. It's all pretty, you know, intertwined. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, to compliment all of these guys that play in all three of these bands, like they're all really good at multiple instruments. You know. I play guitar in most of them, <laughs> but, you know, but they all like, you know, you know, somebody's a great drummer as well as a, you know, fill in the blank or, you know, a great trumpet player or whatever, you know. And so it's, it's pretty easy because we're all together all the time to kind of put bands together, you know, but it, it was, that one was really, I got obsessed with the idea, not obsessed, but like the challenge of taking the listener, God, this is going to sound so weird, taking a <laughs> listener someplace, painting a picture without words telling them where, where to go or what to do. And it was, you know, all of that stuff, it's like watching the movies to me, you know, yeah, right yeah, when yeah. I hear it, you know, and, and you, it transports you to like whatever scene you want, you know, in the desert, you know. Desert, and, and, highway. Yeah. yeah. Somebody somebody uh, asked me what that band sounded like, and I said, it sounds like the Doshin. Like, well, what's that? That's where the desert meets the ocean. There you go, hence pounded by the surf. Exactly. <laughs> Love it. Uh, thanks for a great chat, Joby. Yeah, thanks for your time. Man. And um, thanks for just always being cool. And I like being around you guys. I like watching not just you play, but you're clearly one big happy family without being cheesy. We are. And you know, we, I we're... take inspiration from that. Like, you seem to thrive off each other's company on and off the stage. And it's a nice thing to be around. I, I was uh, said this the other day. I was like, you know, I was. <laughs> I've probably had more meals with these five people than I have with with like my family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you still love each other. Yeah, we do. We we get along well. I mean, we, we play music. You know, I mean, that's pretty cool. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.